Hello, Bitcoiners. Welcome back to the show. Another episode, Bitcoin and Markets. That was bad. Let me try again. Hello, Bitcoiners. Welcome back to another episode of Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Lindner. Today, we have a fundamentals update for you, a market analysis show. Woo woo. <laughs> uh, feeling a little bit under the weather, but that's okay. I'm going to power through. This should hopefully be not a super long episode, just something to uh, get you guys updated. For a longer version of this, of course, sign up for the report, the free market analysis report that comes out every Friday. To do that, you can do uh, go over to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash report. And to support the show while you're over there, go over to the support page and find out all the different ways that you can support the show. And I appreciate everybody that supports. Okay, let's jump right into the price. Currently on Bitstamp, we have a price of $38.92. And this is fitting kind of my predictions over the last several months here. So, uh, you know, we came back down and tested that 3700 level. I didn't, I didn't uh, necessarily call the little dip, the $100 dip that we had, but um, I have been calling just a steady increase. You know, the, the demand is slightly higher than the supply right now. And so I don't expect any large drop-offs in the price. I'm expecting, uh, you know, some volatility up and down 5 to 10% possibly in the next few weeks. But, you know, nothing significantly lower or anything like that. My best guess at a target is between 4,000 and 4,100 by the end of next week. And then we'll probably, uh, you know, meander around uh, between here, this price level, 3,800 and 4,100 for a while. Overall, there's lots and lots of support below the price. So we have different moving averages the, we bounced almost perfectly off the 100-day moving average, and we are staying above the 21 and the 50. There hasn't been a lot of bad news lately. There's been some good news. But in the when there is bad news, like, say, Coinbase being attacked by <laughs> Bitcoiners, you would think that would be kind of negative news, but it hasn't really affected the price at all. In fact, it's probably helped the price a little bit. So... Um, yeah, right now we are sitting pretty on the price, con uh, accumulating and consolidating. If you guys are co dollar cost averaging in, uh, just continue to do that. Of course, this is not financial advice, but uh, you know th these are these are really good levels to look to add to your balance of satoshis. Next, let's take a look at some of the top tier altcoins. Of course, I've been talking a lot about Ethereum lately over the last few months. But, you know, this this is if people thought Mt. Gox was uh, bad or still affecting the price even today, the next kind of event like that, I believe, is going to be the total and utter collapse of these altcoins. Um, Ethereum is going to collapse and Ripple is going to collapse. All of these things are, you know, pretty much done for. And that is going to be a very epic event in the history of Bitcoin, similar to Sam Gox. Now, it's not going to happen as quickly. So the ideological shift or the the market sentiment shift will be more gradual, and that will might uh, help people adjust. But, uh, you know, pretty soon, one day you're going to look back and, and it's these altcoins are going to be very, very marginal priced compared to Bitcoin, especially, I mean, when you we look at the dominance and stuff, you look at market cap because they're already marginally priced in like unit biased, smaller amounts. But 
the total market caps uh, make them look more legitimate than they really are. But anyway, so uh, that's one reason why I've been focusing on Ethereum because I I, I do see that as being a big uh, event in the future. Anyways, over the past week, we've seen Bitcoin kind of pull away slightly from Ethereum and Ripple. Ripple's not having any uh, good pumps recently, so uh, they could be on their dying breath. I don't know. I mean, JP Morgan Coin, we talked about this in the community chat. JP Morgan Coin has kind of taken their, uh, you know, spot in the market, even though it's not uh, for retail use or anything like that, JP Morgan Coin that they've taken the big banks and the the swift type competition away from ripple and ripple just doesn't have really a leg to stand on anymore i mean they're a centralized company just like jp morgan so it's it's like exactly the same product almost except ripple obfuscates and uses stealth and lies and propaganda to say that they're not centralized so that they can open up to retail more than jp morgan but who, if you're a big bank, are you going to use JP Morgan coin or are you going to use Ripple? I mean, it's kind of silly to even ask that question. So Ripple's struggling. Ethereum is struggling. Um, EOS is having a pretty, I mean, they're flying under the radar and they, they're having a really good year so far. Uh, Litecoin, of course, is having the best year. They are up roughly 50% on, uh, over Bitcoin and, uh, again, remember, Litecoin's halvening is coming up, so I expect them to continue to outperform up to the halvening, and then they're going to die off as well. Anyway, I mean, there's lots you can say about these these coins. Um, Ethereum had their Constantinople fork that went off this round without a hitch, but of course this was the result of a hitch. Um, and... I expect there to be some problem down the road with this create too. You know, there's lots of hype now. Oh, we just did this successful fork. We're on our way to Ethereum 2.0. Well, okay. You're not even at phase zero yet. <laughs> and you don't even have fleshed out like past phase two out of seven or however many phases. So you're, you're a long, long way from uh, having any sort of Ethereum 2.0. It's probably, I mean, if everything goes to plan, it'll be 10 years. And of course, it's my guess that they'll never go to proof of stake and it'll just die on the vine. But anyways, let's talk more about Bitcoin. Let's take a look at Bitcoin sentiment. So for sentiment, what I use is I use the longs and the shorts on Bitfinex. This is kind of uh, the best measure out there in my mind for sentiment of the market. And overall, we are very uncertain levels, very low levels. Um, so if you add together all of the short positions and long positions, that sum is very low historically uh, over the last two years. And uh, so there, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. It tells me there's a lot of uncertainty in the market right now. People, you know, this is what you expect at the bottom of a market, right? Like the market doesn't turn around when everybody thinks it's going to turn around. The market doesn't fall when everybody thinks it's going to fall. Uh, so this is, to me, this is perfectly in line with an accumulation mindset uh, and a consolidation in price right here, where the bottom is in, but we're kind of hovering 
you know, within striking distance of that bottom. Uh, so there, there's some uncertainty. Now, if we get up above, you know, when, when does this turn around? Well, if we get up above like 5,000, I would say people would be much less, less bearish, but overall that that's going to take, that's going to take a while. Uh, in my opinion, I think by the end of this year, we could probably see maybe 6,000 in price. And then by the happening, we could see 10,000 or so, but, uh, a lot can happen in between there. You know, like we could hit 6,000 and come back down to 4,000 or something. And all in that same time period, it, it would not be, <laughs> it would not be anything special for that, that to happen. That type of volatility is what we're, we're looking at. So, uh, look at the long time frames have a long vision of what's going on here, a long-term investment thesis here in Bitcoin and just average in. I think that is the best way to do it. Of course, it's not financial advice. Okay. So the ratio right now on longs and shorts, we're down to 1.1. So there's only 10%, 15% more longs than shorts. But of course, Bitcoin has this structural bullish bias. So when the price starts going up, we'll probably see, uh, you know, it hits 4,100. We might see the longs max out at that time. Give, give people some longs to squeeze as, you know, we kind of bounce back down in price. Uh, we're going to be constantly moving at a percentage that's going to be able to trick people. So we move 10% and then people are, okay, we're, we're bullish again, buy in. And then the price drops 10%, right? So, the price has to move enough to trick people. It has to get into these positions where people are going to bite off on it. So my recommendation is right now, don't trade the chop. You're going to get chopped to death. All right. Uh, wait till there is the, the bull market. The significant bull is back in. If you want to trade this, let's go on to difficulty. Again, difficulty has been one of the more exciting aspects over the last few months um, we have about two days until the difficulty adjustment, and it's going to adjust by 0% estimated. Now, that doesn't sound very exciting, right? 0% change. But if you look at the chart, the, the, the hash rate is oscillating quite widely. You would be surprised we're getting 10 to 15% oscillations in the hash rate around this price in the upper 3,000s. This, this to me says that there's lots of stuff happening behind the scenes in mining, but overall their margins are very low and uh, they're squeezing every little bit out of their, their costs right now. So this is also a really good time to uh, explore for cheaper sources of, of energy because eventually, you know, the cost to mine is going to approach the cost uh, of the energy uh, and you know, as the ASICs get more and more commodified, which they are, you know, the development and the speed of change of the ASICs is slowing down. So in the past, like say, and if you're new, this might interest you. So in uh, 2014 and 15, the life of your ASICs was very, very short, um, maybe six months that they were profitable because the hash rate was growing so damn fast. Um, and that then you had companies like Butterfly Labs is a famous one from around my part of the country here. They would design these new ASICs and they would mine with them for a couple months before they shipped them off to their customers because they would get the very earliest uh, 
hash rate out of them, right? And then when they shipped them to you, they, they already were into their useful lifespan and you probably only had a few months to be able to mine with them to be profitable if you ever got them. I mean, it was a major scam and scandal at the time. But now ASIC's life's, the lifespan, the useful productive lifespan of an ASIC is being extended. Uh, I, I don't know exactly. I mean, you'd have to ask some of these um, miners there on, on Twitter, uh, reach out to them. But I would say the expected lifespan is over a year now uh, on these ASICs, approaching maybe even two years. So you can buy an ASIC and you can get two years of useful hash out of them, where in the past it was six months. As that extends and extends and extends, I mean, you're going to be buying ASICs uh, on how long they're going to physically last. Like if you can get an ASIC to last five years, it will probably still be profitable. Okay. I don't know, but that, that is kind of the, com the commoditization of these ASICs. And as that happens, it's going to be strictly a race for the cheapest source of energy. Um, there was a discussion on POV crypto. They had a really, they had a, what's his name? Uh, Brandon Quidham on there. Uh, he's the Bitcoin mushroom guy or the, the fungus guy. And they, they were talking about how the use of energy will be like Bitcoin will aff affect the infrastructure, the, the entire infrastructure of energy production and distribution. So Bitcoin, yes, right now it's it's searching out the lowest cost right now, but eventually the entire infrastructure will be built around Bitcoin mining. And that's fascinating to think about uh, by just changing and giving a new new outlet for that power. Um, what's going to happen to the energy industry? So not only are the, the entire infrastructure going to be changed, but the sources of power are going to change as well. And that is a huge part of our lives. Um, I mean, look around you. Everything was created with the input of energy. And if that energy infrastructure is different, everything around you is going to be different. I mean, Bitcoin touches everything, but this is just uh, one small example um, having to do with the mining section here. <laughs> Anyways, okay, let's uh, go on to the next part. All right, Lightning Network, we're topping 765 Bitcoins in capacity, passing 7,000 nodes and 33,000 payment channels. It's growing very quickly. Uh, the capacity has uh, gone down slightly, or not uh, gone down, but the rate of change of the Lightning Network capacity has gone down slightly. But we did just pass $3 million of capacity. So... Uh, that's pretty awesome, and hopefully by the end of the year, man, we're getting to twenty-five, between twenty-five and fifty million dollars in capacity on the Lightning Network, and it just keeps growing. Um, that is what's going to attract uh, new innovation, and that's going to attract new uh, retail usage and all of that. Because think about it: if there's three hundred million, if there's three million in capacity right now in Lightning Network, I'm going to build a game. Because I just love the Lightning Network. Because it's cool and cutting edge. Not because I think there's like a sustainable business model. Where I am I would build a game for iOS because there's a sustainable business model there. Right? I, I can actually make money. Three million as a ecosystem size is just not big enough for these people to look at it that way. Um, so once you get to a very sizable 
um, capacity, that's when people are going to start looking at Lightning Network differently. It's going to be an ecosystem instead of this uh, payment network. Um, you know, your the mind is going to shift and people are going to see this as a business opportunity. It's not quite there yet. And again, we talked about this in our community chat. That's going to take years. It's going to take years and that's fine. The price of Bitcoin will continue to move up as people move money into Bitcoin to save. And that will drive the capacity higher in the Lightning Network and add more uh, stimulus to innovation on the Lightning Network. So it's it's all uh, synergistic, right? So yes, we it's going to take a couple years for Lightning to get to be this ecosystem where people are really looking at it to build their revenue model around. But um, in the meantime, we're going to be caught up with another bull run, right? And then at the end of that bull run, we're going to be caught up again with lightning innovation. So it's going to be back and forth. Uh, the Bitcoin stack is expanding. You can't open that while I'm recording. Okay, go ahead and open it. Okay, put the wrapper down. So the whole, uh, the whole Bitcoin stack is expanding. Um, and that is what we have to concentrate on. So yes, the lightning network is awesome and great and wonderful, and it's going to be growing by leaps and bounds, but it's not there yet. It's not there yet. We need to support these people, of course, and celebrate their accomplishments. Of course. I mean that they're building the future, but, uh, we can't get impatient and we have to know what is coming. All right. So lightning network's doing great. Let's move on. All right, this is uh, in the development section, kind of. Um, well, it is in the development section, but I used to, in, in this section, I haven't really done a lot in recent episodes, but uh, what I used to do is talk about how many uh, commits and pull requests there were because I wanted to show and emphasize that Bitcoin is constantly evolving and constantly growing. Um, I haven't done that recently because I think that's kind of sunk into people's heads and it's. I wasn't giving enough information to be useful beyond that initial intent. So anyway, now, but th this is an important one. Uh, we have a proposed soft fork by Matt Corallo. Uh, he was going to put this on the, uh, there, there has been a pull request, uh, but they haven't put it on the mailing list from what I can tell here right now. I haven't checked in the last couple of days, uh, but the mailing list was down. There was an outage. And which is very rare, uh, but Matt could not put this onto the mailing list at that time. Anyway, so this is a new soft fork. This is going to be like the first soft fork since SegWit, right? Um, SegWit happened August of 2017, and now they are, this is the very next soft fork, and it is going to be dropped. Let's see when. Uh, you can start signaling for this soft fork. It's going to be using BIP9. Um, which is the miners signal in the blocks when they're ready. And when, once we hit a 95% signaling, then activation will follow that. Um, anyway, you can start signaling on one August. So that would, that's the two year anniversary of the activation of SegWit, um, or actually the activation of the user activated soft fork. So one August, 2019 is when you can start signaling. Now, do I like this BIP9 thing? I, I really, I don't like it. Um, but, 
hey, this is the best thing we have right now. And Bitcoin isn't about perfect. Bitcoin is about good enough, uh, secure, perfectly secure, but good enough for these type of social things. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's okay. And it's not controversial, at least from what I can tell right now. It's mainly about fixing up, cleaning up. It's a cleaning up soft fork. So there's several things that uh, are being proposed here. Uh, I'll just read a list of them. I don't need to go into great detail. Of course, I link to it in the show notes. So prevent use of the op code separator and the find and delete function in legacy transactions. Next one is fix the time warp attack. Next one, forbid use of non-push opcodes in script SIG. Next one, limit legacy and BIP 143 SIG hashes to the currently defined set. And last one here is forbid transactions 64 bytes or smaller. So nothing huge. Like this is not a real big soft fork from what I understand, but it is cleaning up some of these things. And then, you know, that's going to get us ready for other usages, uh, other use cases of other types of signatures or whatever in the future. So um, I don't see in here, well, the L2 would be on the lightning. So that wouldn't be in here anyway. But yeah, this this is cool. And I hope to, I hope this gets activated very quickly. Um, well, I'm sure there'll be websites that are tracking the percentage of signal, but watch this in comparison to these other projects and their hard forks that they're doing. Um, cause remember this is a soft fork. So that if you're new, the difference between a hard fork and a soft fork, a soft fork does not, um, make things incompatible with the past. So if you're running node software today and this gets activated and this software goes uh, live on the network, you don't have to upgrade your node. If you want to take advantage of these new things, then yes, you have to update your node. But in a hard fork, if you don't update your node, if you don't update your software that you're running, you will fall off of the network. So they're in hard fork there, you know, this central party is building, building, building. And if you don't keep up with them, you're off. But, uh, when you do a soft fork, you don't have to upgrade. So anyways, that's just a little bit of something that's going on. All right. News items. I have a few news items. I just want to go through quickly here. Um, and this is, well, first and foremost, I want to touch on this important instance that happened with Iran and Israel. So the lightning torch made it to Iran and then they sent it straight to Israel. And I thought this was beautiful. Bitcoin, not bombs. This is kind of why we're all here, right? Is peace and prosperity for humanity. And Bitcoin is one of the best tools to accomplish that. Uh, so this was a very great symbol of how Bitcoin can bring people together and how governments actually keep people apart. It's the governments that are at war, not the people. And this is a great example of that. So that's, I wanted to emphasize that and say great job to the people involved. Okay, let's get on to the next one here is um, uh, BlockFi 
Now, man, I don't really know what to think about this BlockFi. Um, they have been advertising on all these podcasts, on all the kind of Bitcoin maximalist podcasts out there, or at least some of them, the bigger ones. And they seem to get into the good graces of the community. Now they're launching this big thing. They're pushing out this new product of the 6% uh, per year. At first, I thought it was 6% a month, but it, uh, it's 6% uh, interest a year on loans that you, you loan them your Bitcoin and they pay you 6%. Um, and there's apps like if you look at the terms and service, the terms of service, there is absolutely zero guarantee. Um, and they spent all this time getting into our good grace. I don't know. It just, it just seems a little funny to me. I, I kind of tried to imagine how I would, if I wanted to do this type of service, what would I do leading up to it, right? For the, the year prior, getting people used to the name, getting people kind of the brand out there. Um, I would have done it the same way, but at the same time, it's super fishy. You don't want to lend people your Bitcoin. Uh, and it could be an exit scam. We have no idea. Just be very careful. If you do decide to do this with BlockFi, be very careful and don't lend more than you're willing to lose. All right. That's all I have to say about them. They seem like a good company, uh, but man, it's just not, uh, it's not a good fit for Bitcoin yet. All right. Next thing is Coinbase. Was the delete Coinbase a success? Um, you know, I said, don't underestimate these people that were doing the delete Coinbase. And I think this is a good example of, yes, I, it has been somewhat successful uh, getting at least uh, Brian Armstrong has attributed the firing of the hacking team to the delete Coinbase efforts. Um, but, you know, is he just like, were they going to do this in the first place? And they just attributed it, trying to kill two birds with one stone uh, and say it was due to this delete Coinbase. So people would be happy about it or something. I don't know. Uh, it's not over. Um, don't send people to Coinbase. If you are into Bitcoin and you're, you, you know, introduce new people to Bitcoin, don't send them to Coinbase. The best thing would be to, well, you could send them to Cash App or uh, Kraken <laughs> um, or Bisk is a better solution and HODL HODL is a better solution. Um, and another solution would be to buy the Bitcoin yourself and send it to them uh, the same day. Do you know, you have your structures and accounts set up. Um, I would keep receipts or something, but, and this is not financial advice, what to do, but do not send them to Coinbase. You must, you must not send them to Coinbase. Okay. Next thing. Next item that I thought was pretty important is this Canadian tax man wants your addresses. So this was a story by Cal Torpy in Forbes, our very own Cal Torpy getting into Forbes. I think he's been writing there for about a year now or something, but uh, this was a great piece on the uh, Canada's federal tax agency. They want your Bitcoin addresses. Um, I thought this was very interesting, and I think this is probably going to be quite common. And I know Matt O'Dell talked about this on the rabbit hole recap this week. Uh, but my, my thing is <laughs> if they want my addresses, I'll give them my addresses, give them a billion addresses, make them do some proof of work to sift through them and find 
like the real ones. I'm not saying, you know, this is similar to like paying your taxes in pennies, right? Like if you overwhelm them, it's not illegal. I'm not saying do anything illegal. I'm not saying evade your taxes. I'm saying give them like create a new private key. You control that private key. You control the addresses. They asked for addresses that you control. Create a billion addresses off of that private key. You have no Bitcoin on there. Create a billion addresses and send it to them. Overwhelm them. It's a DDoS attack, right? It's not illegal. I'm not saying do anything illegal, people. But if they want your addresses, give them your addresses. All of them. (laughs) Uh, I guarantee you if a couple people did this, they would change the law. I guarantee just a couple. So Canadians, good luck. Don't break the law. I'm, I'm giving you a cross sign. I'm blessing you. I hope that you, uh, I wish you good luck fighting the man. I'm sure it's coming here very, very shortly. Okay. Uh, next thing is this Twitter bias. This is my last story for today. Uh, the Twitter bias stuff. I, I thought it was interesting. You know, I watched the initial Dorsey on Joe Rogan and I've watched, I, I listened to quite a few Joe Rogans, not all of them, but maybe one a week if I get the time. But this one I listened to, this was Tim Pool with some lawyer from Twitter and then Jack Dorsey. Like, and the lawyer was, um, she's uh, like the head of compliance or something. Um, it was a very interesting episode. Uh, and of course, they exposed that Twitter does have this left bias, and I agree with that. Uh, Twitter does have a problem with banning people, or, or they, they le- they're not really free speech. Um, and I agree with that as well. I mean, they're, they're better than the others, uh, better than like Facebook or other platforms for free speech. Uh, but they're not great. And um, I mean, neither is Gab, right? Gab has been forced to censor some some stuff so it's a very hard position that you put these people in uh, and i agree that a global type of free speech standard is very very hard but my thing is like okay twitter isn't all they can control is your twitter handle that's it they cannot control your speech they're slow because you can use slang terms for this and uh, tim pool actually brought up that people were starting to use slang terms a lot for other things so that they could get around the censors. That's totally legit in my book. And uh, so you can do that. Uh, You can start a new account, right? Yes, you won't have the followers that your other account had, but you're not entitled to your followers, right? It's a very hard argument to say, I have a right to my followers. No, you don't. No, you don't. That for sure. Like, yes, you have a right to free speech. Make a freaking new account. You do not have a right to those followers. So make a new account and do your free speech. You know, you don't have a right for other people to pay attention to you. You need to play with, unfortunately, they have rules that you don't agree with. And so that um, they've banned you or something. Um, That's unfortunate. And I feel for you, but it's just, I mean, There's rules everywhere in life. Who grew up in a household that didn't have rules? 
who works for an employer, who has a job that doesn't have rules. Even if you are the owner of the business, you still have rules, right? <laughs> there, there are, there, there, simply there are rules in, in society. <laughs> we live in, in a society. I'm not saying I agree with censorship. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you have a choice and they have the ability to do it. Um, I mean, this is an adversarial environment. You don't have the freedom. You don't have the right to have no adversaries in your life. I'm sorry, you don't. Twitter is your, if, if Twitter's your adversary, that's a bad thing. You probably picked the wrong enemy here. But just get a new account. And say what you want. And, and a way to go around that is like use keep uh, your key based stuff or use an outside identity to back up a new identity on Twitter. So, yes, create a new account and verify it yourself. That's actually a service that would be interesting to get out there to a mass audience would be um, a third party verification for your Twitter. And so you just create a new Twitter handle and verify that through that third party. And you know, that is good enough for most people. And then you can have other people say, Hey, follow this person here. Um, Brian trolls did that. Uh, Shinobi from uh, block digest. Was it last year? I believe he got uh, suspended indefinitely. And I don't, I think there was a situation where they wanted him to do some corrective action. And he didn't want to do it or something. And um, so he created a new account. And he messaged a bunch of people that he, I guess, that he could uh, count on to forward this new account. Um, and so he did it for me, uh, to me. And I, I said, hey, everybody follow Shinobi here now. And he got a bunch of his followers back. He probably lost half of them or something. But, I mean, he made an effort. And then, of course, then they unsuspended his other account. And so he was back. But, um, I mean, that's the way you do it. You don't uh, go through and complain about uh, people banning it. They're not throwing you in jail. They're not throwing you in jail, people. They're not arresting you. They're not silencing you. <laughs> They're taking your followers away from you. That's it. That is what it comes down to. So anyway, enough on that. I support free speech. I, I think Twitter is pretty good. It could be better. Could be better. But a lot of this, too, is centered around politics. Like, people are really worried about uh, <laughs> Russian interference in elections or whatever. Just don't vote. Like, it's a scam. The freaking elections are a scam anyway. Just don't freaking vote. If there was 5% turnout for these elections, people would not uh, recognize Donald Trump. Like, if there was a, if you're all upset about Donald Trump, I'm not saying I'm upset. I'm not saying I support him either. I'm indifferent. But if, if you don't support Donald Trump, don't vote. Don't vote. The only reason why you vote is because maybe you will be able to, uh, have your person in there that's going to do violence on people, right? Donald Trump does violence on people, but you want your person to do violence on people. So anyway, <laughs> moral of the story is the whole argument is about freaking politics anyway. Stop voting. Stop worrying about it. And let these crazy people go into their echo chambers and spiral down 
you know, this spiral of lunacy and you just create a new account. <laughs> okay. Tell me what you guys think about that. If, if I'm totally off base, if I'm a crazy person, let me know, please, because this has been, I have been thinking quite a bit about this lately and I would like to just put my own mind at rest. All right. I thought this was going to be a short show, but it wasn't. Anyways, uh, thank you for listening. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. If you'd like to support the show, go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. That's it. See you next time. Peace.